Good morning. So um, this morning, I'm here to do your teaching, but I was not supposed to be here to do your teaching. <laughs> Tall Angela was supposed to be here to, do, <laughs> to, to teach for you all. Um, and she got sick, sadly. It was so sad. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> it was that sad. <laughs> no, it was like... <laughs> No. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, so she's not well. And it was kind of sad when I was talking to her on the phone. I know her heart is to be here, so much to be here. And she's just had sickness upon sickness. And she feels like she's missing out. And I just feel I know what that's like. I've been there when my kids were little. And so um, I'm, you know, I'm... I'm thankful that I can be here. I'm excited to be with you all. Lord has been so faithful because I had like two days. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, that's not a lot of time. But God is really faithful and just met me. And, and so I'm really thankful. A little out of my element. Normally I have two weeks at least. I, I like to have two weeks to prepare. <laughs> but, you know, the Lord is still good. He can do it. He's stretching me. <laughs> so... Um, she shared her notes with me, which I'm really excited to share a little bit of them with you as well, because I feel like she put so much work into it. Um, so anyway, with all that said, let's just pray. God, I just thank you for this morning, and I thank you for your word and how encouraging it is, and just the ways that you um, hit me with it this week, Lord. <laughs> and I'm sure these ladies, um, some of them feel the same way. I just pray. God, that you would just speak to us this morning that, um, God, I, I just feel like it's a, I'm a little out of my element, Lord, but I just pray that you would work still, God, your spirit would speak through me, that you would just use me as a vessel, Lord, and this would just be like a drink offering poured out to you, God, that it would just glorify you and be pleasant to, your, to you, and, um, and so I just pray you would use it um, to speak to all of us, God. And just meet us for where all of us are this morning, including the ones listening later and even right now online. So we just lay it all before you, and I just thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. So, welcome Tuesday Nighters, too, that'll watch us later. Um, uh, we just are finishing up chapter 4 in Acts. And so uh, the last two times that we've met, Holly did such a great job, I feel like, <laughs> of um, taking us through the events that led up to where we are today in our story. And I want to give a little bit of background because we are at the, the tail end of a whole story <laughs> today, and so I don't want to lose the context with it. So um, it all started when Peter and John were heading to a temple and they healed a man that was lame. <laughs> and... Uh, they were full of this, the Holy Spirit, and uh, a crowd came to see what was going on, and they, Peter spoke to them, um, and he preached, and, um, <clears throat> and, uh, and it impacted the people that were there watching and heard. And he preached the gospel of Jesus to the Jews there, um, and how Jesus was crucified and how he rose again. Um, and I, I thought about, like, the people that were listening. Some of those people might have been, or, I mean, very likely could have been around when Jesus was crucified. It had not been long. They, some of them might have been some people that were like, crucify him, you know? Like, they may have been a part of the, the crowd that wanted that with, when Jesus was on trial. And I just, it just struck me, um, this might have been a very similar group, you know, some of those people. 
But, um, you know, G- uh, Peter breaks down for them how Jesus, you know, fulfilled what was foretold through the prophets. And he ends with the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And that is what led the religious leaders that were listening <laughs> to uh, rise up and arrest him and him and John. They didn't like what Peter was sharing about Jesus, especially about his resurrection. And we talked about that the last couple weeks. Um, they held them overnight and, and then questioned them. Um, and J. Vernon McGee pointed out that this, this part in Acts is the first persecution of the church. And I just thought that was interesting. Like, yeah, this is it. This is where it started. Um, we saw last week Peter share with the leaders that the miracle of the lame man being healed was a result of them calling on the name and the authority of Jesus to heal him. And um, this, by the way, I, I don't know if you all have noticed, it's definitely a theme we're seeing in our study with Acts, right? This focus on the name of Jesus and the authority that comes with it. Um, because the leaders didn't know what to do about the healed man, the peop- and the people were accrediting it to God, you know, they decided <clears throat> instead of you know, going forward with a trial just to, to let them go and to warn them not to continue to speak the name of Jesus. Um, and then we saw how Peter responded to that and said, you know, we're going we're gonna to do what God tells us to do, pretty much is what he told the leaders. And so this is where we pick it up today. They leave the leaders and they go home. So let's read, um, starting in verses 23 through 24, the beginning of 24. It says... Um, When they had been released, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord. Uh, This passage was read, I believe, by um, Pastor Ryan, I think, this area of group passages like a week or two ago. And I feel like we're definitely tracking with his study in 1 Corinthians, the themes and everything. Um, 1 Corinthians and Acts together. So it's been so awesome. I'm like, am I going to reteach everything? <laughs> and I like, had to go back and listen a little bit. Like, I, I, you know, it's so overlapping like that. And we're in totally different books. I just think it's totally awesome how the Spirit is working like that. Um, I wanted to pause here. Um, here and take a moment and look at what they did when they got back to be with the rest of the believers. They shared what had happened, and then we see that once their companions heard it, they all lifted their voices in one accord in a prayer. Um, up to this point in, this, in Acts, this is the fourth time we see this idea of the early church being of one mind and one accord, right? It's, it's very cool. This, is, this idea of being in one mind and one accord is also another major theme we see in Acts um, of the early church. We see it twice this week in our passage. Here, and one, in, we see it again and down in verse 32. When I studied this phrase, well, I really just studied the word one, you know, and just looked up, you know, a lot on that. And, but the idea of one accord or one heart and soul, I found the Greek giving this idea of being united mostly, most closely in will and spirit. The opposite of this would be to be divided into parts or dissensions. So it's definitely, in essence, describing unity. When we see these words, one accord or one in heart and soul, we see unity. Um, the most, most of the time we see this described when they're praying together, and I find that so interesting as well. Um, there's something about praying with a group of people, it brings unity. This is much like what Pastor Ryan had said on on Sunday. I find that people, um, the people I feel most united with 
in our church are the people I often, the ones that I get to pray with the most regularly, you know? I don't know if you guys find that as well. It's because we all share the same spirit of God, and when we come together, we pray and are often yielded to his spirit, right? And this brings, he brings us together even though we're so different. We have this commonality of Jesus. Um, I don't know if y'all are filling it at this point in the year with Bible study in your small groups, but this is the time where I start feeling like we're jiving and blending a little bit more. Um, when we pray for one another weekly, it binds us together in a, spe in a special way, that regularity of it. We can relate in a small way to the early church in this way. When we pray together, God's binding our hearts and our minds together when we do that. Um, the part that struck me the most this week in the study is how the, the early church in one accord prayed scripture, right? Uh, let's take a look at the second half of verse 24. It says, and then onward, I'll read more. It says, they lifted their voices to God with one, one accord and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of your fa our father David, your servant, said, why did the Gentiles rage and the people devise futile things? <clears throat> the kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. Here we see um, the church praying using Psalm 2 in their prayer. And I don't know if any of you guys looked up Psalm 2, but it was so, it was so good. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I keep breathing. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, this, this is, Psalm 2 is a messianic psalm, right? It makes reference to a time when the rulers would stand against Jesus. And in verse 27, we see of our passage today in Acts, we see the church making the connection that Jesus fulfilled this in that the rulers stood against Jesus and in essence against God. The church sees the Old Testament with new eyes because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. They can look back at, the old, at you know, what they had, the Old Testament, and they can see what God's doing. They may, they're making the connection. And we also have this ability because we have the Spirit as well. You know? um, I love how they quote scripture in their prayers. It reminds me of how Jesus was when the enemy was tempting him. You know, Every temptation, Jesus responded with scripture. <clears throat> Just yesterday, I was on the phone with my close friend in Washington, and we talk like once a week. She's my old roommate from college. And um, I was just like confessing my struggles with her, like us just going through some stuff <laughs> that was like deep in my mind, you know? Um, and it was like turned into this like counseling session. It's <laughs> like, she was just like, smacking me, like, pull yourself together. <laughs> like, some of the stuff she was like, <laughs> she's like, where are you getting that from? That's just so random. You need to stop thinking that. <laughs> like, you're right, you're right. It was so good. She, But in it, she encouraged me to pray scripture over my hard situation. And I was like, wow, Lord. And then I come to this study, and I'm like, that's what I see here. Um, I have been on what, you know, in my mind, like a roundabout, just round and like the ruts, you ever get stuck in the ruts in your brain, you just rethink something over and over to death. <laughs> That's where I was at, you know. But she was like, pray the word in those moments where your brain is stuck in a rut. And, and, I, and I, I, I thought, 
that's, that's the word for me this week. I don't know. And I encourage that with you, with you all. You know, I think God wants us to pray in this way. Sometimes we can get off in our prayers and distracted, you know, but if we're in the word and sensitive to his spirit, we can pray using his word to keep us on track, you know, to remind us of the truth we need when we're seeking God in something. He may have us make connections with what he says in the Bible that's always true in our lives, you know, and what we may, what we may be struggling with. Um, God can use it to make his word more tangible in our lives. So let me just give you an example of this, if that's okay. Because <laughs> I was like, this is a great idea, but how does this look, you know? <laughs> so, um, Say you're struggling to love someone in your life, right? Like, no one struggles like that here, right? <laughs> like, we're, you know, theoretic, but theoretically, let's just say you were struggling with somebody in your life, <laughs> like loving them. That's <laughs> <It was> terrible. <laughs> and maybe, maybe they don't reciprocate, you know, or love you in return, right? But we're all called to love, like, whether or not we're loved in return, right? That's what the word says. So let's say you pray 1 Corinthians 13 over the situation. You're asking in it that God would help you through his spirit to be more patient with this person and more kind and not to be envious or jealous of this person or to boast in your heart or to be proud in your heart towards them. Praying that he would help you not be rude or selfish in this relationship. You know, maybe you pray that God guards you from becoming easily angered or to not keep records of the wrongs, right? I could go on, you know, with that passage, but I think you get where I'm going. Um, God's word is living and active. We can pray verses that challenge us or encourage us. And with that, I feel like I should say, I feel like coupled with that in wisdom, maybe, (laughs) I think it'd be wise to think through scriptures that you choose to use in prayers and make sure you're using them correctly. I just have to have a caveat there. (laughs) Because I was trying to think of an example of something that would be like way off. (laughs) I can't think of anything. But like you could, you know, pray a scripture and it has nothing to do, it's not applicable, you know what I mean? But so just, you know, fair warning there too. Maybe ask yourself, is this something God calls all believers to do? You could also ask yourself when considering a verse to pray, you know, is this always true about God? Like... And you could praise him for that, you know, who he is. If you choose verses that are always true for all time, that are, that's a good rule of thumb to follow. Because we don't want to misuse the word of God in our prayers either, you know, so there's a balance there. There's grace, you know, and, um, and, I, and I was saying that I don't want you to shy away from trying it, you know, so you should, you should, I, I encourage it. This was my big takeaway from this week, you know. This is kind of where I'm wanting to go with the Lord, but... So anyway, let's look at verses 29 through 30. It says, And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Here we see the church in their prayer, they shift, um, and now they're making a request to the Lord. What are they asking for? I thought, you know, when you look at it. They ask God to take note of the threats on their lives. But I want you to notice that they don't actually ask God to take it away. 
I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> Instead, they ask God to give them boldness and confidence while they continue to do what God leads them to do in Jesus' name. Now, I don't think it's wrong to ask God <laughs> to take it away or whatever, but I think that their, their perspective and focus was really interesting. It was, it was good, a good example for us. Um, they're saying, God, we want to heal, we want to continue to heal through the power of your spirit and see people saved. Give us the ability to do that without fear. That's what they're asking for. And then we think, well, how does God feel about that prayer? We can see it in this passage. We see it in verse 31. He answers their prayer. It says in verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Like, he totally answered their prayers on the spot. <laughs> you know? um, God heard them. He shook them, he filled them, and he gave them boldness. He heard them, he shook them, he filled them, and he gave them boldness. I was struck with what they didn't pray for, that that just stuck out to me. They didn't pray for safety. And they're living in the time of Roman, the Roman Empire, right? I'm like studying this with my kids right now, and the persecution that's about to come is not like in the jail overnight, <laughs> you know? It's super intense and bad, you know, what they're heading into, the persecution that is coming, which I think that they, um, you know, seeing Jesus go before them, they know that it's not gonna be safe, right? So they didn't pray for safety. They trusted that God would love his way, um, that God would have his way and whether or not they would be put back into jail or even killed. The bigger concern was that nothing would hinder them from doing what God led and called them to do in his spirit. That was his bigger concern or their concern when they prayed. And they knew their biggest thing that could hinder them was their own fear. They knew that that was the thing that was gonna stop them, was their own fear. So they prayed for confidence and boldness in their words. I think so much of the time when we pray about a situation that maybe God could use us in, we may be praying for the wrong things sometimes. You know? What if part of God's plan is that we're not safe in sharing Jesus? <laughs> you know, what if part of it is they totally reject us? <laughs> you know? But it doesn't mean that it's not what he wants, you know? Um, our fear can be the biggest thing that hinders us from being obedient to what God calls us to do. Um, we can be like the early church and pray for confidence, the opposite of fear, right? When my family lived in our old home, we had this neighbor that lived across the street, and um, God would stir in me all the time, share Jesus with her. Um, she was my age, she had kids my age, but I felt so nervous. I'm like, you know, I live next door, I live across from her, you know, like what if I'm not perfect? What if she sees me yelling at my kids? Or what if, what if, what if, what if she gets mad? What if she won't let our kids play together because I told her about Jesus? What if she rejects me? And as I prayed for her, God gave me this picture in my head of the Red Sea, you know, like in the book of Exodus, you know? My street was the Red Sea. <laughs> like, and I felt like it was impossible to cross because <laughs> of my own fear, all my what ifs. And so I prayed that he would part the Red Sea, <laughs> he'd part the sea, whatever it was that was holding me back from sharing that seemed so big in my mind, you know? And after I prayed that God revealed that to me, 
the thing that was hindering me was my own fear. That was the C, was the fear. (laughs) So I prayed for boldness and leading for the right time. Like, God, I will be obedient. Just just do it. You just do it however you want, Lord. (laughs) And he totally answered my prayers several times. Like a couple of opportunities I had where I walked across the street through the sea. (laughs) I know that sounds silly, but (laughs) to me it was a big deal in my head. (laughs) Um, And God was so faithful even after we moved. We got, I got together with her again. We, were, we still hung out. And I had another opportunity to share with her. I never, ever saw the fruit of that. Um, I don't know where she's at now. I don't even know if she still lives there. But I was able to experience what the early church experienced, you know, confidence and help from the Holy Spirit to do what he calls us to do. Um, so I wanted to quote from Tall Angela's notes here because I just loved it. Um, she said... The meeting place literally shook. There was an earthquake. The ripple effects of this prayer are felt today, like the tremors that shook that meeting place. A single prayer meeting changed the course of history and directly impacts us. And we are given a record of this in scripture to strengthen us and grow us and spur us on to be bold for Jesus and to be bold in our prayer life. I'm like, amen, Angela, tall Angela, amen. You know, God does want to strengthen us to do the the things that sometimes feel impossible to us to do. So um, let's let that example spur us on to boldness. I encourage you all in that. Um, Let's go ahead and continue reading in verses 32 through 37. It says, And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonged to him was his own. But all things were common property to them, and with great power the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. For there was not a needy person among them, for all who were owners of lands or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet. And they would be distributed to each as any had need. Now Joseph, a Levite of Siberian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translates means son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. In this little part of the passage, we see a little bit of a zoom out of what was happening in the early church after that prayer. And we see some characteristics of what they were like at this time. We see that they were united in heart and soul. They were one. They did not have a selfish perspective in regards to one another, but they were selfless. This came out in many ways, um, I'm sure, but the one mentioned here was that they viewed their possessions as not their own. They wanted to share what they had. This heart of sharing was for those who were in need in the group. They were going as far as even selling the property to help provide for those in need. Notice that there was an order in it. They gave it to the apostles whom they trusted to lead. And notice that it was voluntary. It was not forced by the apostles. People were selling their land or property, laying the money down at the apostles' feet, and the apostles were distributing them to each as they had need. Now, at this point in Acts, we're given two examples of people giving in this way that contrast one another, which is to say they're opposite of each other. We see the first part here with Barnabas, and next week, Jackie is going to cover the contrasting story of Ananias and Sapphira. 
They're two opposite stories. I want to briefly look ahead to, the next, to next week, to one verse from Acts 5.4. Out of the New Living Translation, it says, um, after Ananias lied to Peter, Peter says, the property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. The sharing was voluntary. It was not commanded by the apostles or mandatory for the church. Um, I feel like this is important to share because as I study these verses, a quote came to my attention that was similar to but not the same as verse 35. I was just, uh, I came across this quote. <laughs> and it says, from each according to his ability to each according to his needs. I don't know if any of you are familiar with this quote. <laughs> It was a similar idea put out there by Karl Marx in the mid-1800s, and by him came the idea of socialism, right? Some may say that socialism is really what the early church was all about. I disagree. I differ. I think that if you look a little closer and see, you'll see some of the major differences between what was going on in the early church here in our passage and what socialism is all about. Karl Marx himself was an atheist. He grew up Jewish. Um, his father switched their family to Lutheran <laughs> because he could make a better profit from his business with the Lutherans, so he switched religions. And Karl Marx saw the hypocrisy of it and rejected God for himself. The idea of socialism is big today, even in the church. I see it. Like, I've had to stop listening to people that I used to follow and love um, because I see them reading books that are written by people that are social. Like, I mean, I just see that it's definitely infiltrating the church today. The idea of socialism is big, I feel like, and very becoming more common now. The first time I learned about socialism was in high school. I thought it was the very best idea ever because I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> like, you know, I was like a young Christian and I'm reading about all the different ways of doing government and then I read about this utopian socialism. Like, we can all live together. And we'll share, everybody gives and provides for everyone else has need. I mean, that is a great, wonderful idea, right? In a world of perfect people. Like, it's a wonderful, great, amazing idea. It works for the world of perfect, like, perfect people, but we don't, we're not perfect people. Um, I quickly learned after I married my husband <laughs> that the, the worldview that socialism is built on is very humanistic, you know? And, um, which is to say that the core belief in socialism is that men and women are essentially good on the inside. You know, of course, they're good. And so they're going to make good decisions with all of the money that's contributed or whatever, you know. Um, in contrast to a humanistic worldview that's the underlying worldview for socialism, the biblical worldview, which holds that humanity has sin, people have sin and in their nature and essentially are not good inside, there's corruption in our nature and we're prone to sin. And in a perfect world with perfectly good people without sin, then maybe you could live together in a utopian type society where everyone shares everything, you know. But we don't live in that world without, you know, we don't live in a world without sin. And that's why you find that even communism, which is a, a rooted out of socialism, is failing. Because you have a corruption with the people, corruption within the government. The people are the problem. <laughs> so no, God's not calling us to be socialists in this passage, right? This example in our verses today does not show the government taking from all the people, whether they want them to or not, and redistributing the wealth. That's not what we see here. 
This example here in these verses is believers selling their property as they feel led by the Spirit of God, entrusting it to the apostles to give for those in need, and they do all of this voluntarily. Like this is all of their own, you know, leading by the Spirit. They're not forced like you would see in socialism. And so I'm so thankful that we see at the end of chapter four the example of Bartimaeus. I'm gonna just take a drink. Um, He is described as a Levite whose nickname was Son of Encouragement. And I think it says a lot about where Israel was during this time in history, how far away they really were from following the law in some respects, because he was a Levite that owned property, (laughs) which if you know anything about the Old Testament, Levites don't own property, you know? And so um, we see that, that, I just think that sticks out. And um, so, um, hang on just a second, sorry. But, there, but here we see that this Levite, he does own property and he sells it to give it to the apostles. Tal Angela had pointed out that it, it said a lot about his character to be called the son of encouragement. We see that he's generous. And later in Acts, we see more of Bartimaeus in Acts 9. He makes an introduction between Paul and the apostles, which is really important. And he testifies on Paul's behalf. In Acts 11.24, it describes Barnabas as a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. Last year, we looked at him really in depth. I don't know if any of you guys remember that from our study in discipleship in the fall. Um, We took a good close look at him as as an example of being a mentor. Um, And I encourage you to go back if you're interested into that study and the teachings I think are still on YouTube. But you can get a really thorough look at him in that way. Um, In essence, Barnabas is a good example to us of generosity and how we can be used of God. And that's what I think these passages are for us. They're examples um, of how we can be like that. We could be daughters of encouragement to others, you know. I encourage you today to think of what that would look like for you to be an encouragement to others. Like, what could that look like for you in your life where you're at? And I pray that God would lead you by his spirit today in that because we know that we all could use encouragement, right? We all need it. <laughs> um, and so we see, you know, in this passage, we see a picture of unity through prayer. And I was thinking, I just wanted to go back a little bit about the things that can kind of, you know, the opposite of this one accord and everything is this dissension and these dividing things. And the one thing that the Lord kept struggling, and I just, he keeps bringing it to my mind the whole time I'm teaching, so I feel like I have to say it. (laughs) But I just encourage you, um, the times where I see when, when we have unity and then we don't, this is just my perspective. I hope it's okay that I'm sharing this. <laughs> is when I see that there's a critical spirit. And so I just encourage you all, especially when you're praying together. I think that's why prayer is so good. Because you, you're forced to be together and you're forced to be quiet. But you have a choice in your mind, you know, to whether or not you're going to be critical or not. And criticism, I feel like, is the, is the thing that breaks unity, you know. A critical spirit, so I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm being obedient. I just kept feeling that when I thought about this being of one accord, one mind, one heart. Like, the thing that breaks us up and divides us is that that's not the only thing, obviously, but I think that it can, that's the way I feel like the enemy gets in there a lot of times with prayers, in our own mind, you know, in our own critical spirit. Anyway, 
to close, I wanted to share the scripture that relates. To, I felt like it just summed up, and I feel like this is a theme, that God gives me a verse <laughs> to share at the end. He, he brings me to one, and, and this is the one he brought me today. I was excited to share it with you. It's from Romans 15, four through six. And that's my prayer for all of us. It says, for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I just pray for that unity among us. God is the one who gives us the encouragement and the perseverance in his word, and he unites us in it with one another so we can encourage one another and glorify Christ in our church. So let's be like Barnabas and let's give it Let's give it out to others. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for your word. And, um, and God, I just pray that in our small groups today, you would just, you would just uh, use this time to build us up and encourage us, Lord, in you. And, and Lord, can even confront us, Lord, um, where we need to be confronted. I just pray that you would give us a spirit and a heart of yieldedness to you, Lord. And I pray that um, you would just do that good work of encouragement in our lives, Lord, that you would bring us together in unity, Lord, like we see here in this passage. God, you're so faithful to do that. I, I thank you, God, that we have this time to be together and to pray for one another, and I just pray you would use it in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen.